Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. Right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I hope everyone had an amazing weekend. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact on this episode and talk more kind of like psychology of money um, and that behavioral biases and things like that that we can often develop as adults trying to make sense of finances and achieving life goals. And I'm not really an expert in this in this field, but I do have one right here with me. Um, who is going to share a wealth of knowledge um, because, yeah, this is what she does. And um, I attended a, a talk uh, maybe a couple of months ago now, and she gave a really, really interesting insight into the mindset and 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 psychology of money from a behavioral point of view. And that's what we want to kind of get into uh, this week. Not for a very long time, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. Crystal McGilvery, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. Not a problem at all. So why don't you give you uh, an introduction to yourself for the listeners? Okay. Uh, I was doing this the other day, actually. I was like, oh, there's lots lots to say. Um, so I'm... <laughs> have, have you got it down yet? Have you got it down yet? <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't think it's perfect. I'm getting there. I need to condense it a bit more. Um, I've been around for a long time, guys. Um, so Krista McGilvery, yes. I'm the director of a company called Mind Over Money. Strapline, you could call it humanizing finance. So it's the human element of finance, financial decision making, um, optimizing wealth, but you know, starting with you. So my my areas are finance, um, accountancy, behavior. Um, ultimately, I infuse money and psychology. I work with people one-to-one, I do group work, I work with private organizations. I am a chartered accountant as well. So I worked in industry for, I think it's 12 years now, um, you know, overseeing the finance of um, billion pound companies. I'm also a CBT coach, uh, a director of two not-for-profit organizations. And because I realized that this plays a large part in what's got me here, I also share that I was recently diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. And I think the you know, fact- I, I, I saw that mm. post actually on, on LinkedIn yeah. as you shared yeah. it. And um, yeah. I was like, it's amazing, right? Right, Because yeah. you didn't know, but it no. hasn't stopped you in any way. And, and I think you made a really good point in that post saying, well, actually, you didn't know. So you just went for it. But had you have known, would you have got this far? It's this always it. it's chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah, this is it. And I think there's so many factors, which is ultimately how I see everything in life, right? There's so many factors at play with the decisions you make about everything. So there are some people who who would who learn these things and it hinders them, it, it cripples them, and they they it's almost like their wall for life, you know, and they don't try as hard. But there's others who get that news and are like, no, this is not winning, I'm winning, I'm gonna achieve all these amazing things regardless. So I actually don't know. All I know mm-hmm. is that, you know. Having the diagnosis really gave me uh, 
maybe a bit more confidence in terms of the way that I do things, which I know have been different to others, that actually, no, Chris, you're a superstar. And that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how mm-hmm. I framed mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. See, I've, I've never had that test at all. And mm. um, I've always been interested to to know if I would come out on any spectrum in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Because like in school, like I hated maths. Then I had a period where I was really, really good at it. Yeah. And then sometimes I don't know the, the way my brain works. It wants to skip ahead. Like mm. even when I'm reading something, yeah. I don't fully read it. Yeah. I try and pick out a few words, make up the sentence. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't know. Is that normal? Is that weird? <sighs> I don't know. This is the thing. And, and this is the thing, you know, especially with the ADHD part, my friend was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. She's a psychologist as well. So she's like, why didn't she see this? But she knows she's, she's the friend who's always saying, Crystal, calm down. Um, mm-hmm. As you can see with my list of the things I do, I don't think that's everything. I like to be busy. But back to your point about reading really fast. And I know we're not even talking about money yet. But just looking at the things I do, like day to day, like in a supermarket, I need to be in and out. Any obstruction physically, it's like, oh my God, I need to get out. Or, you know, reading a book. I struggle to read books because I get bored. So I do audible on speed times two, if I can. 1.75, but times two, just to get through it, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm exactly the same thing when it comes to books. I'm like, yeah. like get to the point. Like, get, get yeah. to the point. I want to get to the good bits. I don't want right. to go through all the fluff, right? It's yeah, yeah, so yeah. funny, but then it's funny. Yeah. And just to give insight to the others, because when I speak about this, people are like, oh my God, I'm the same. I've also, so my dyslexia is not in reading or writing or anything like that. It's in memory. So my mm-hmm. short-term memory is not very good. So although I whiz through these books because I'm impatient, fundamentally, I don't remember them. So every time I read a book, I've written a whole load of notes on my phone because I have to. Um, otherwise it just doesn't stick and I have to go back so again you know like what you were saying about you know being diagnosed later in life what I've clearly done is found ways to make it work for me Mm. you know so I can achieve what I've set my mind to I'm gonna find a way to make it work which I think is ultimately what we have to do exactly I mean I think as human beings we're wired to solve problems that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day yeah. isn't it we, yeah. we come up come up against something we find a way around it we find a way to make certain things work yeah that's really really interesting actually really, really and it does tie in quite nicely into the whole we're talking about the mind and the brain there it does actually tie in quite nicely to the psychology because I guess your psychology is you know I never knew about it. It hasn't hindered me psychologically. You've yeah. always found a way for it to work. And I'm interested to know, because obviously we've known each other for for maybe two, three years now. Yeah. And you were maybe interested long. in psychology park and you started to study for it. Mm. How have you found the connection between money and psychology? Because I've always been really, really fascinated. If I think back to my earliest memories of money, mm. it, I, I, I remember... Probably the earliest thing is my foster parents' house in Hastings and knowing that actually my mate, Glenn, next door, his dinner time, like, was different. Like, you could smell the stuff coming out of the house. And then we would be in, like, hula hoops on toast and and stuff like that. Um, And that's my earliest formation of, like, I think we're poor type thing. Mm. And then I fast forward, then I get to Nigeria, then it's like, and I remember actually when I was when I was seven, eight years old, eight years old, um, I actually went home one day and said and asked my mom and dad, are we are we poor? Are we rich? And I remember them laughing at me. 
at that point. Oh. And they were like, oh, you, you have no idea what you were talking about type thing. So I'm always interested to see how it actually works now that you've studied it. I'd love to hear your insights on this. Yeah, I mean, so my, my studies is in uh, behaviour, uh, you know, across the board. So, I, you know, I could go off and go into healthcare, for example, but mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> money is my thing <laughs> it's funny whenever we're doing any kind of essay or something i'm like yep finance finance is my topic mm-hmm. um so ultimately it's funny so going back to where it came it became a thing for me is i think i was buying my first property and i'm sure i've shared this story before but i was buying my first property you know i was on like 20 odd k um but i'd saved up like 20k actually to to buy and someone wanted to borrow i think it was three thousand we're talking 10 years ago. So 3000 was a lot of money then, right? Mm-hmm. As a 20 year old. And, you know, they were going to give it back to me in a couple of weeks and they didn't. I just literally got the key. Um, so 3000 pounds. Hmm. I need that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'll give it back to me that month. They didn't. Two months, they didn't. They actually still haven't, but I've got mm-hmm. over it. Um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> clearly I have to. Yeah. But, but so as you can imagine, you know, again, so I say 3000 now that's about, I don't know, we'll do some inflation calculation, but let me just say 5,000 as to how I felt it at the time. And, you know, eventually I started to get really frustrated. If I'm honest, angry mm-hmm. at the person, you know, where is my money? Well, what's the mm-hmm. problem? And it got to the point where I was starting to get really heightened in anger and frustration. And I was like, Crystal, just pause for a second. What is actually going on here? What is the problem that they have that they can't find the money to pay you back? And that's when I paused and literally spent a year and a half reading up about money psychology. And that's when I realized that financial decision-making, how people handle their money, um, you know, their wealth comes down to psychology and how they feel and what they understand and what money means to them. And that's where it started. Um, So kind of overall, it's realizing that almost ignore the money when it comes to how you are with your finances is not about the actual money itself. It's about you and where you are. Like you said, how you grew up, you know, the, the, the state of the economy at the time that you grew up, um, you know, uh, your friends, your university life, what was the experience like? I've spoken to some people who've had some really horrible experiences at university because maybe they went to um, a really good university, but their parents were really poor and they didn't really have the funding. They could barely get the bus or the train to uni. Some really difficult situations. And ultimately, the work I do starts there, starts by really diving into you, what you feel about it, what did your parents tell you, what's your underlying beliefs, Um, and then it starts to build a good picture that you can work on. It's really interesting you say that, because I've I've spent years trying to figure this out, Mm. because, you know, like I said, memories and experiences, they do, they form a massive part of the person that you become later on in life. Yeah. And if I recount some of my issues when it came to money, it was because I guess it's that I knew that there was never any money in my house. Like, yeah. especially when I was in Nigeria, like it, the the number of arguments that I that I would witness in the household. And it was all of it was down to money. We didn't mm. have enough money for food. We, very, someone yeah. didn't buy that this or didn't you. buy that. Right. Yeah. And I remember this and things like, you know, um, kids with trainers at at school it's like i've got like trainers that are two sizes too big that they yeah. bought me because oh you're gonna Same. grow into them i had i'm right? size five now i had size seven why yeah <laughs> you know my long foot 
yeah. And, and, it's, and it's things like that that are deeply rooted. And then mm. when I fast forward, and then obviously within our culture, you know, yes. hip hop and, yes. and all this type stuff yes. kind of influences what yes. you think you should do with money. Yes. I then get to Canary Wharf and it's like, I'm doing okay. But then I go and buy just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, now I can make sense of it because I'm in a mm. position where I don't think like that anymore. But I'm yep. just like, it is such an important thing to be able to catch early so that you can start to break it down and try and make sense of it in your own mind in order for the check you to implement changes that I think that That will compound and and those changes result in compounding growth and wealth and all the good stuff you know that little change you make right right now for related to you and your work investing if you can learn that you know, about controlling impulse and, you know, I'm not going to go into your space and talk about, you know, buying and stuff, stocks and shares, but if you can make those decisions early because you're understanding the underlying things at play, it's it's life-changing, so life-changing. Absolutely. I mean, I've often given this example on uh, Instagram and I think this is really, really, uh, I think, a a timely place to kind of share this number. So a Mm. lot of people would have heard me talk about the fact that when I was working in Canary Wharf, made a bit of money, I went and bought a £1,000 worth of like Giuseppe trainers, right? This is in 2000 (laughs) and this is 2015, right? Mm. 2015, yeah, 2015, 2015. Now, I actually did a video on YouTube like this week. I was talking about Tesla and the total return on Tesla between 2010 and this year, 2022. Oh, I don't know. 12 years, the total return was 18,000%. Now, yeah, right. It's crazy. So I've just done the numbers here. Oh, no. And that thousand pounds that I put into the Giuseppe, I'm obviously, I'm probably five years too late. So let's just say 10,000% return, right? That would be worth now over a hundred grand. And I spent those on a pair of Giuseppe. That hurt, I felt that, that hurt me. I felt that right there. <laughs> but it, but it, but it's true though, because obviously the mindsets, are, I mean, I went through epiphanies and, and mm. look, this is, this has got to change and stuff yeah. like that. But you don't know any better. I have hindsight now as the main key and the component to be like, actually, that was such a stupid thing to do just to look good and feel good momentarily it's that psychological bit though and i i just think it's it's one of those vicious cycles i think it's easy for people to fall into it is because you know if we think so you've got psychology then you've also got sociology right and that's the part about fitting in with our peers we want you know it's a human nature you want to be like accepted loved so if we just focus on one small area when it comes to psychology and money and like you're talking about buying those really expensive shoes it's it's to signal to your peers look i'm doing good because mm-hmm. they'll think that you are somebody worthy to be mm-hmm. in their circle to be communicated with to be respected all of those good things that's natural and it's unfortunate that one of the ways that we do that is by spending money when we could actually spend that money on better things but mm. You know, and there's extremes. So where people place a lot of value in that, you know, social acceptance, all of that stuff, that's where it gets excessive and it becomes a problem. So there are so many areas in psychology where it where it plays out. And, you know, in terms of the route to go and tackle it, it, it starts with you reflecting, really, just getting really honest with yourself. And then that in itself is a, is a difficult task for a lot of people. 
um, you know, a lot of people have gone through difficult things and you want to just bury that away and kind of binge on, you know, rubbish TV or fast food or whatever it is just to feel good in the moment. But actually mm-hmm. doing that deep work can be uncomfortable, but also very rewarding. It's just a painful upward journey. And then it's, and then it's, yeah, flying. So how do you, how do you start to unpick that then in, in practice, would you say? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And it's, so what the work I do is, it's like a little program and I take people through this journey where we start with self-reflection and people ask, how do you identify your limiting beliefs, for example? I think that's one of the questions at this talk I went to the other day. And I say, start by allowing your mind to wander and identify what it is that you want out of life. Like, what do you dream? If you were just completely free and could have anything, what, what does that look like? And then when you start working backwards through what you need to do to get there, where does it get a bit sticky? Where do you start to feel uncomfortable? Because where you start to feel uncomfortable is where you have something underlying that's kind of a belief, a belief system that's telling you that's not possible, that's not true, that's not a true explanation or understanding of the world. And it's those points that you need to pay attention to. So, Mm -hmm. for example, really easy example, which I'm sure many can relate to, say you do want to earn a certain amount of money in a year. Say it's a hundred grand, you know, for, for lots, it's yeah, nothing. But for, for, so for some, it's not much, but for many, mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a hundred grand. Okay, so what does that look like in terms of the type of work that you do? How can you achieve that? And when somebody starts to break that down to how much they need to earn every month and the options available to them, they may start to feel physically uncomfortable. I can't do that. I can't have that. I'm not good enough. I don't see anybody else like me doing that. I don't have you know, the intelligence or I'm not working, you know, all these obstructions, all this, not going to swear on your podcast, but all this stuff comes up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, in the way that stops you and that's your limiting belief. So then it's a process of questioning that. Okay. So where did you learn that? Who told you that? Is there a particular person? Is it an auntie? Is it, you know, when did that become a truth for you? And then challenge, well, what if it wasn't true? What would that, open the door to and it's basically going on that journey of unpicking that and getting really granular about that underlying belief and then you start okay setting up things that allow you to gently just tap at it tap at that and and go through experiences that show you that it's not true and over time you get more confident and then you translate it over to your finances I realized that was a very long answer but that's the truth of how you have to go through it that's really really interesting it's really, really interesting, actually, because, I mean, I've got a coach at the moment, and because, um, obviously, conversation of money started as a bit of a, like, oh, you know, I'm going to make some videos and yep. record it. Well, actually, the, <laughs> and look the at first... you now. <laughs> right? So I'm like, I need to actually put a little bit of structure around yeah. what I'm actually doing. So yeah. I've, I've, got a, I've got a business coach um, mm-hmm. at the moment, Rachel. She's awesome. She's amazing. I right? can imagine. And um, I sat down with her for the first session and she goes, you know, so tell me about what you want to achieve in business. And I'm really enough like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to help yep. as many people, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, okay, but on, in this exercise, there was like two, there are two, there's two sides of the coin. Like we've mm. spoken a lot about work, but like, you know, what do you want your life to be like in mm-hmm. five years time? Yes. Take me, take me to that place. Yeah. What does it look like? Yeah. And she had to pull me back three to four times because... I still referred to work. Mm. 
and I was, and I didn't know I was doing it at the time. And in the end, I couldn't actually give her anything from like a personal life. Like this, in five years' time, I want it to be like this. I couldn't picture it. Really? And it's inter- yeah, and it's interesting because it's it's all psychology. And yeah. again, I again I think back to the fact that you know when I was sixteen in Nigeria, I was I desperately wanted to get back here. I was writing projects for UNICEF, adverts for organizations to earn money so I mm. could actually get myself a ticket to come back. And the psychology, I don't know, it's just habits that have been formed, mm. a way of thinking that was formed dating back to when I was like 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, everything that I've witnessed in, into my household, yeah. which I still have with me now, that it's difficult to shed, it's difficult to get rid of. And once I've been able to make some changes when it comes to my perception of the way I think about money as such, you still get to that point where it's like, this is so, ridiculous. So, so what, what I heard, and tell me if I heard correctly with you, are you almost saying that the thought of enjoying money and enjoying your life, kind of off the back of the hard work you've put into what you've built, doesn't come first? You think, no, I've got to do business. Yeah, basically, I yeah, pretty much. I don't know. <laughs> so this is something my partner always says to me: is like, you know, when is enough enough? Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like I'm always thinking of the next thing. But if I yeah. have to pause and be like, you know what, you've done really, really well. What does all everything that I've worked for actually translate to into personal life? I have you know, no idea. It gets it gets really quite deep because then it's a question of, and I and I feel like I'm coaching you here. Then it's a question of do you accept that what you've achieved and what you are right now is enough you that's that's enough we'll stop it's interesting right because there's probably only one person that really understands how i my background and Mm. how my mind works and that's the guy that i was writing the unicef projects with yeah and like don't get me we were 16 at the time Mm. it was a very long time there was no internet yeah we had to go to libraries to get books He's now here in the UK. And mm. I said this to him a few weeks ago. I said, look, mate, it's, 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 I don't understand. I don't have a stop filter. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but think about it, mate. He goes, we were, we were doing that stuff at 16. Yeah. Like, and he goes, yeah, you've been on TV and you're doing some stuff there. But that's the minimum I would expect of you based on the stuff that you were doing at yeah. 16. Yeah. And, you know, it's simple things like hobbies. Someone says to me, so what, what hobbies have you got? I don't have any hobbies. Like, it's work, work, work. Yeah, work yeah, is my yeah. hobby. It's crazy. I, I right? admit I'm the same right now. Like I've, I've just started talking to my sister about getting roller skates because it looks cool. But I'm mm-hmm. like, but who's got time to go and skate in the park? I've got so much I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get it. I do get it. Um, but it's, 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 a, it's an interesting balance between, and I think me and you are the same, you know, looking at conversations we've had in the past we allow ourselves to dream think big there's not there's no limit right we we can imagine it we're going to go for it that's that's not an issue but it's a balance between okay that all those things could happen but at the same time i have achieved amazingly like amazing things and i am enough i am good enough right here where i am and that's that's a really it's a difficult thing to kind of manage mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's like, oh, but I've, there's so much I want to do. I know I haven't reached my full potential. I know that I haven't reached full capacity, like, at all. But to be comfortable with where I am, yeah. 
Yeah. And it, and it's interesting the way this intersects into, again, the money conversation, trying mm. to bring it, bring it back. Because obviously my, my slogan here is money is a tool, life is for living. It's about yes. money, using mm-hmm. money to create the life that you want. Mm-hmm. But so much of that is, is based in <laughs> behaviours and psychology that, you know, how do you translate that sum of money into the life that you essentially want? And yes, you'll do all the investing and all the other mm. stuff that comes to enable you to get all of that set up for the life. Yeah. But it's like those yeah. two things. How do you pair them together? Almost mm. be mute. Yeah. How do you pair them together? Are they mutually exclusive? Or are they two separate entities not. in their own right that need to meet in the middle somewhere? They're not. And I, I think, so a large part of the work that I, I do and I am going to continue to do is largely in education, not in the sense of, oh, learn this fact, but kind of going through that journey yourself. So largely it's a lot about self-awareness and reflection. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's things such as something called the empathy gap, which you might be aware of. And I relate it to, you know, investing whether it's, uh, yeah, in your future, ultimately. So your empathy gap is where you struggle to realize the impact of your current emotional state on your decision-making. So, um, you know, and I'm sure we've all be guilty of this. We say, we're going out tonight. We're not going to spend much money because whatever reason, but you go out, all your your girls or your boys are out. on me, you know, we've done it. I remember one of my clients was was the same. (laughs) He spent hundreds of pounds and he, you know, goes home and feels terrible. But when we unpicked it, we also saw that he he thought people would see him as a nice and good guy if he was spending on them, which again, it's psychology, right? But it's impacting your pocket. Um, So so the large part of what, you know, I'm trying to get out there and I, I have lots of aha moments is, just understanding how you operate. So then when you're in those situations, you've got that information at the front of your brain that you can think twice. Actually, that might not be the right thing to do. Um, or even other stuff, which I think that you've even spoken about, or if you haven't, it totally relates, you know, availability heuristic, you know, the fact that just because you come across, because everyone's talking about it online, doesn't mean it's correct, true, and you should follow it. We think of crypto yes. and all this stuff, right. Yeah. You know, people just jump on it because the information's there but you know things like that are quite difficult because they require you to really use your cognitive power to take a minute to either understand something go and research or ultimately just not take action um and you have to be really switched on to do that because all of this stuff happens under the surface it's within your subconscious subconscious so you just naturally you don't even realize that oh mm. because the information i heard it on tv this morning that's why i feel this way now you don't naturally yeah. make that connection yeah that's interesting so i have a question for you then because mm-hmm. i'm sure you work with obviously a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff and like mm-hmm. this literally happened to me today <laughs> okay. right today okay so again maybe this comes back to maybe some of the stuff we touched on a little bit earlier on mm. scarcity mindset that mm-hmm. kind of stuff are you do you feel as though um you deserve to do xyz and to receive xyz mm-hmm. so I was at an award dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, table, great guys, lovely people, all that kind of stuff. And um, it was like, oh, we should have a conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, hit me up on email. Yeah. We can have a little talk. Hit me up on email, 
had a little talk. You know, we'd love for you to do this. And, you know, we work with XX brands and we would really love to have your insights around, you know, what they can do to engage with the, with my, my client, my audience, audience right? Mm-hmm. So that age gap between, you know, yep. 18 and 35 is where I'm, where I'm mm-hmm. at, right? And um, so all the way through this, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're asking for my time. That's fine. Organization. Okay, cool. No, no mention of budget or anything like that. And I'm like, am I going to have to ask this question of what's the budget? Yes. And when I did, it was almost like the assumption, oh, you're going to do it for free. And Mm -hmm. for some, for some reason I found myself thinking to myself, and you know what the positioning is? It's a, you know, we give you exposure to brands that you may be able to work with in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, when we were at the table, you knew who I was. And I didn't know who you were. So my exposure like is that. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But I found myself, and I wonder whether you find this with your with your business mm. clients and entrepreneurs as well. That thing of you question yourself, as in, actually, should I should I be doing this for free? Am I am I am I weird for actually saying I want to be paid for this? Do you yeah. find that? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that to me is like a confidence thing. So it's you've got somebody else presenting a really good idea or a really good opportunity. And, and it's also anchoring as well. So they've come to you with and set the bar that it's free. They've set the bar that there's no talk of money, that this is what you're going to do. So all eyes are kind of on that initial marker, basically. Mm-hmm. And you thinking anything different makes you question yourself. So then you're in doubt because what is out in the world or what exists is different to what you think. So then mm-hmm. you naturally challenge, okay, maybe I'm wrong because he's acting casually like this is mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. Like this is normal. Yeah. 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 So for you to yeah. now object to that is you're you're putting a kinky in the straight line. Like, okay, so I must be wrong here. Um, and that's what anchoring does is actually, actually another thing that I, I tend to talk about um, more in the space of negotiating or whatever. Um so yes, it's totally normal. And I guess going back to the confidence is confidence that you know what's right. So yes, you've got to put a kink in it. Yes, you've got to put a kink in that line because either they've come and they've been um, brazen and said, or not said that it's free, or or they're innocent. Sure, there's some cases where they're yeah. innocent. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm doing a talk and they didn't talk of um, budget at all. Um, but same thing. What's the budget? Simple, and then you pause, just wait, and then the conversation can continue. And, and actually, this case, the girl was, um, she didn't know. She was like, oh, I don't know, I've got oh, such and such. Okay, fine. But sometimes, yeah, people are broken, and you have to put the yeah. kink in that. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that is, it is a, bit, a little bit about confidence and actually mindset as well. Because mm. like, for me, I'm like, okay, well, you knew who I was. <laughs> the brands that you that you want me to give yeah. these insights they to got money. are big, big yeah. financial institutions. So he I've was worked trying for it. a number of them. He was trying I've it. Worked, yeah, I've worked <laughs> with a number of them. I know they've got budget. Yes. I know that they've got budget, but you don't have budget. So how are you going? Oh, he doesn't want stuff? to spend. Mm. He's he possibly taken advantage, thinking that there may be a bit of naivety there, you know, because it's also the other side of it is, you know, shoot your shot in it. <laughs> give it give it a try, um, you know, because there's many cases, you know, especially years ago where I've gone into situations and I've not asked for money and they've got away with it. But, you know, me now, those same situations, I wouldn't, and I'm sure the same with you. So it's business right 
but it's for you as the founder or, or whatever situation, whether we're talking about requesting a pay rise, it's for you to be confident within. And that's, that takes work. And, you know, it's funny, I'm doing a talk on confidence soon and for, find a buddy or someone, you know, do things and exercises to build the confidence. And that also spills over into your, your finances, a hundred percent and wealth building. Would you say that there are any common tips or 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 things that you, you you think people can do from a practical point of view to actually boost their money confidence and just mm-hmm. that, that behavioral psychological side of how they interact with money to move them forward from where they might be right now? Yeah, there's loads. I mean, I think one that I think is quite amazing, and some people might find it a bit airy-fairy, but when I've done it with clients, some of them who have never done it before, it's a really big struggle. So simply just, and I think we spoke about this, simply just spending time getting out of your head, thinking about what is it you want. If money wasn't a thing, if you know, you're isolated, there's nobody else around, there's no one to judge you. What is it you really want? What do you want to create? What do you want to build? And allow yourself to to, to enjoy that moment and get it out uh, and then tell somebody. So when I do um, work with people, and that's like one of our first session, our first activities, I've had some people who are literally, you can see the discomfort in their body, in their face, because the thought of them having something big and getting it out and making it real was so scary because of the lack of self-worth, right? But getting it out, as we know, makes it more real. I don't know if anybody follows the secret, writing it on your wall, all of that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's definitely one thing to do, whether it's you know the salary you want to have or the car you want to drive or whatever these things are, get it out of your head, get it down on paper. We could go into a tangent about vision boarding and the, you know, the, the success Big of it believe all. in vision boarding yeah absolutely 100% believe in that it really does work it actually works guys if you haven't done it do it it works I look back at my vision board 12 years ago and I've done I think everything but one because I decided I didn't want to be a teacher <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> hell no <laughs> um so that that's one thing I think people should definitely do the other thing which again not directly finance but pay attention to your body so when you are doing things whether it is signing up to a, a program because somebody's hard sold to you and you know use scarcity tactics or whatever, before you go to make that transaction, try to just pay attention to your body. Do you feel, is there an urgency? Is there a rush? Are you unsettled in some way? Because that's a strong indicator that something's happening under the surface and you're acting on some kind of an emotional state. Ideally, you want to be relaxed and you know wait for those heightened emotions to pass. Same with impulse spending. I know when I used to work on Oxford Street, and, you know, I had a stressful week, so it was a not very great company at one time. I'd go up the street and just spend too much money, you know, in a distressed emotional state. Um, and so paying attention to yourself, like I said, it's a lot of reflection, really plays a large part. Um, yeah, and there's other tips, which I'm sure you've come across, like waiting seven days before you buy. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a good one. It works for me anyway. <laughs> no, it no. definitely works for me as well. Just putting a putting a sock in it and be like, because mm. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I discovered just through the years was, especially after you know the whole Giuseppe episode, um, you know, mm. what you talked about earlier around that social like yep. acceptance. It yep. was pretty much that, if I'm completely honest, and I, yeah, and I realized was, very yeah. very quickly afterwards that you know I had buyer's remorse immediately Mm. and then for me I was kind of like okay so I've just done this and I I didn't even think about it I saw them asked them 
do you have them in my size? And because I'm a size 12, it's like, oh, I rarely find stuff yeah. in my size. So I'm like, I've got them. It's I've a sign. Them. Yeah. It's Yeah, exactly. So you put these uh, points of affirmation in your head. If you've got this, this is, you've got You, you it. qualify no it. You basically qualify your actions with what makes sense to you. So, yeah. you, you know, it was irrational. It didn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. You can see that now. But at the time, you made it make sense because if we think of cognitive dissonance now, we want to feel at ease emotionally with our actions. So mm-hmm. without even thinking about it, actually, I want to reference a really interesting um, study. Without even thinking about it, we make we create an explanation that makes our behavior be okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Mm-hmm. I only smoked one fact today or <laughs> whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I normally smoke two, whatever it is. Um, just the interesting study I wanted to just to reference because it relates to this. I just found it really fascinating. It's not money related, mm-hmm. but it just highlights some cognitive things that, that are going on in terms of us trying to justify what we do. They did this thing where they sat across the table from, you know, the participant and showed them two cards. On one card, say it was a man, uh, not assuming any kind of um, preference, but it say it was a woman and they showed a woman, they showed two cards, one of a man with blonde hair, one of a man with brown hair. And they made her choose which one do you prefer? Mm-hmm. They put the card face down and then slid across to her the opposite card. She then had to describe and say, sorry, say why she chose that card. Mm-hmm. In almost all the cases, they could answer the question explaining why they chose the card they didn't really choose. Mm. My mind is blown, literally, immediately, less than, you know, a second later. Again, just clearly highlighting that our brain naturally, automatically justifies our behavior because we want to feel comfortable. Yeah. It's rationalizing, building a narrative that makes sense to us. Exactly. And we all do it in our own unique ways. Yeah. You know, so it will make you justify your way, I'll justify my way, and I'm happy as Larry. <laughs> it's, that's really, really interesting because, yeah, I know that I did that. And like when I look back at it, my one takeaway was, okay, so Pete, when you've got money burning a hole in your in your bank account, you're a little bit bored and you're around, like, certain friends. Yeah. You're really impulsive. Yes. And you, you buy impulsively. Mm-hmm. So what I then started doing was, okay, so certain outlets I don't go to with those certain yes. group of friends mm-hmm. or I if I do go and I know that there might be a temptation where I could be quite impulsive I don't take out my credit card yes. I won't take out x amount of things yes so I'm I'm consistently putting barriers in my own way to stop me from having that impulsive moment now if it turns out that after three four days or even a week I'm like actually I really want that thing mm-hmm. then I will go back then. and go get it because you're not in that, that state would, of reaction or emotional, or whatever exactly. it is. Mm. And what that means is that I then don't have that whole buyer's remorse. I feel yeah. guilty because the, well, like a thousand pounds on a pair of trainers. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like what the fuck? Like seriously? Yeah. And it's like when I think about where I've come from, it's yeah. like it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How can I spend that much money? Yeah, for yeah. A pair it makes of trainers. But what you did anyway. is what I said right at the beginning. You. It's all about self-reflection and self-awareness because you you said you identified what environment you're in. Remember I said the environment is a large mm-hmm. part that makes you act that way and that requires you to, to sit and think about yourself and be honest. And sometimes what comes out of those thoughts when you're thinking about your friends, like you, you realised certain friends actually don't bring out the best in you or worded <laughs> another way, which we know, or worded <laughs> another way, 
you have a certain maybe mission for your life or something you want to achieve or you know a direction you want to go and what might come out of that self-reflection is actually these people aren't the people to come with me on that journey and that doesn't mean anything bad about them it's just if you are really about it for what you say you want to achieve that comes with it you know um making those changes it's a question i know we're going on about and it might be a bit of a tangent, but i think people might find this interesting if they're listening and again, I'm thinking about my own experiences. Yeah. I've been through a number of epiphanies. And one of my epiphanies was what you've just said there. Mm-hmm. Like realizing when I was probably, how old was I at that time? Maybe 27, 28. Yeah. These guys that I'm knocking around with are no good. Yeah. <laughs> like if there's a weekend out and there's a fight in like JR, which was the local club at the time, okay. it's me and them boys. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. realizing that, hang on a second, this is completely the wrong kind of crowd to be involved with. Yeah. And actually thinking back and saying, you know, I did really well in school. Yeah. I did okay. I had sciences. I was supposed to study and do, you know, medicine. And I'm mm. now knocking around with these mm. guys who are. They're good for the time, but yeah. in order for me to move forward, they cannot be part of that journey because they're not going to understand. Yep. From a behavioral, psychological mm-hmm. standpoint, do you think it's easy and natural that people have those epiphanies and those moments in life? Because I think everybody has those moments of realizations, but the big thing is acting on them. Mm. It takes courage. And I remember when I did finally break away from the boys, they hated me. Like oh, all of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're too good for us, and all this kind of stuff, and it's it's tough. Oh, so that question, I, I I will struggle with the first part of that question, which is, do I think everybody has that epiphany? I don't know, I don't know that because that's a really hard thing to to study, I guess, because those <laughs> if we just give you one kind of bracket of people, those who have had that but don't want to admit it, it will be hard to study and experiment those people mm-hmm. who've had that thought and are not willing to admit, you know? But mm-hmm. I, I think back to the social stuff we spoke about and the fact that we all want to fit in, we want to, we want to be loved, right? So if you have a circle of people that you are fitting in with, you know, forget the, the bad behavior or whatever it is or not, you know, doing what you're really in line with, that's what is natural, the fitting in part. And that is that is fundamentally within our subconscious, Right. It's just Mm -hmm. the way that it plays out is is possibly the wrong way. And, you know, those who do realize that and have that thought but don't act on it, that's then because of fear and maybe not feeling like, you know, anybody else would befriend them or that there is anybody else to befriend or what they've imagined in their mind in terms of the life they want is maybe not possible. So actually I'm kidding myself. This is my circle. So as much as the little dream I have, you know, I know I can't get there by doing this stuff, the breaking away and stepping into that new environment by yourself, because you will be by yourself first, right? When you Mm -hmm, start mm -hmm. to make that change until you build up your your new circle. And I think that's what stops people, the fear, the fear of being on your own, the fear of not being accepted, you know, all of that, I think is what comes up and stops people. So someone like yourself, who's gone and and made that transition and thought, actually, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go and pursue what it is I really want that is you acting you know even though the fear exists you're like nope I'm not letting the fear overcome me and yeah I I don't know if everybody has that thought really interesting. that's a hard one 
Yeah, really, really interesting. And this has been a really interesting conversation as well, actually, to be fair. And hopefully people have uh, found this useful. How do people find you, please, if they want to have coaching with you? Find me. Type in all the letters on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you relate to that. You've got lots of letters too. Um, (laughs) You can find me under my name, Krista McGilvery, on Instagram. Um, I have got a website, kristamcgilvery.com. My company is called Mind Over Money. Um, I think all the addresses are we are Mind Over Money. Um, Again, talking about all the same things, whether I work with you one-on-one or coaching or through your company. Yeah, get in touch. So you've heard it there. I, look, I could we could carry on having this conversation <laughs> for could. a very, very, very long time. Yeah. But guys, if you have found this in, in useful, informational, mm-hmm. and actually eye-opening, um, I hope you did. Um, then by all means, uh, reach out to Crystal. I'll leave all the links in the show notes and stuff like that as well uh, for you guys to to contact her but yeah this has been really really interesting thanks for making the time to come on that's all right Um, and guys um yeah look cost of living and all that kind of stuff yeah it's biting right now some of the psychological things you know Mm -hmm. all of that it matters now it really really does and you know it's really thinking about what it is that you need to do and maybe some tough decisions that need to be made mental fortitude is really important for that so i hope you enjoyed it Have an amazing week. Remember, money is a tool, life is a living. I will catch you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.